Hi, welcome to the Fast Life with Diabetes podcast. My name is Lucy Fisher. On this podcast, we'll discuss everything related to intermittent fasting and type 1 and type 2 diabetes. We'll share tips and tricks, and we'll reveal some of the challenges that we've all faced as we go through this journey. We'll also have some fascinating guests that will share their stories. Thanks so much for joining. It's going to be a great show. Also, before we get started, I just want to remind you that I am not a doctor. Before beginning an intermittent fasting protocol or making changes to your medication, I highly recommend that you speak to your doctor. Hi everyone, thanks for joining today. Today we have on a very special guest. Her name is Netta Gorman, and you may know Netta from the Life After Sugar podcast. That's how I got to know of her. And Netta is one of the first guests we've had that does not have diabetes, but she decided to give up sugar nearly seven years ago, not because she wanted to, but because she was facing some health issues and similar to many of us who are diabetic, we have decided to give up sugar because we don't like the impact that it has on our blood sugars and we don't like to deal with the fallout of eating a diet high in sugar. Netta wasn't feeling well for a very long time and noticed through an elimination diet that sugar and other refined carbohydrates were the culprit of why she was not feeling well and she'll describe that in a little bit more detail. Now she has her podcast, she also has the After Sugar Club. I'm going to link to all the places that you can find Netta in the show notes. She has dedicated a large portion of her life at this point to helping people to quit sugar in their own way. And she does it so that people can lead a more healthy and joyful life. And she goes into great detail about what you can eat if you've given up sugar and how you can manage social occasions and how your life can be very rich and fulfilling, even if you're not eating sugar. And I'll let her go into more detail on that. And I just think it's something that I've noticed as a common theme amongst my guests and just speaking to many other people that have diabetes that at some point in our lives, we sort of come to the conclusion eating a diet full of sugar is not beneficial to us. And we toss around the idea of quitting eating sugar at various different stages. Sometimes it's, it seems too daunting to quit, but when you have support in the form of either the After Sugar Club or listening to Netta's podcast or whatever the case may be, it's, a, it's definitely an easier process. So I hope you enjoy this episode. I know I enjoyed speaking to Netta. Hi, Netta. Thank you so much for joining today. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to have you on, mainly because, well, you, first of all, you don't have diabetes, uh, nope. which is a departure from our typical guest. But you do have something and you're very interested and you have a cause that's something that almost all of us can identify with, which is you've cut out sugar. And you did so for your own reasons as diabetics, we've kind of cut out sugar because we, we notice the impact on our blood sugar and, and we just we, we want to get off that roller coaster. But for you, you 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 came to quitting sugar for a different reason. Do you want to walk us through your journey? Yes, yes, certainly. Well, first, you need to know that no way did I ever want to cut sugar. <laughs> it wasn't something that I, you know, got up one morning, jumped up and said, I know, I'll just cut the foods that I love the most. So I was a, the world's number one sweet tooth and proud of it. And it was part of my identity. People made desserts just for me. They knew exactly what to give me for gifts. It was always chocolate, you know, and I was quite happy being that sort of that 
dessert queen or whatever. Um, and during my late twenties, into my thirties, all through my thirties and into my forties, I my digestion got worse and worse. And by the time I was in my mid forties, I was going to the bathroom like once a, a week, you know. And I, the, I mean, you can imagine just how painful and uncomfortable that is um, on all kinds of physical levels. I was I'd also suffered from mental health issues like depression, anxiety all my adult life. Um, we suffered uh, four years of infertility and uh, finally with IVF got our daughter who's 14 now. Um, but that was really, really difficult and didn't help my depression and sort of my general mood. And I used to suffer terribly from PMS and all kinds of health issues um, that didn't have that much to do with my weight although I had some extra baby pounds to lose because I had, you know, my daughter quite late in life with all that waiting around to get pregnant. Um, and I didn't have diabetes or any signs of it or any diabetes in my family history, none. I did have signs of a fatty liver, um, which kind of, uh, you know, some people, they call them um, thin on the outside, fat on the inside. And right. so I had some visceral fat going on. Um, but that meant nothing to me. I mean, it was, I didn't know anything about that. So long story short is that I did, it was suggested to me to cut sugar and not just sugar, but sugar, refined grains, flour, and sweeteners for just two weeks, just as a kind of experiment to see if that would, a sort of an elimination diet to see if that would help my digestion, digestive issues. And I, when it was put to me, I said, no, thanks. No, it's crazy. <laughs> no way. Um, and I resisted it for the longest time. Um, and then what happened was that nothing got better. I just carried on suffering. So, um, you know, eventually I thought to myself, well, look, you know, give it a try because nothing's getting better. Um, and so I decided to give it a try. And uh, that was almost seven years ago, and I haven't looked back since. And I think, and you, and, and we'll get into your podcast too, because I, I actually love your podcast because it, it, it's the catalyst that got me to give up sugar because I, I was struggling with the decision on, on how to do it. And I was worried about cravings and all this other stuff. But when you gave up sugar seven years ago, you thought it was only for two weeks. Did that help you kind of with your mindset or maybe you can talk about that for a second. Yes. Well, definitely the fact that it was just for a temporary period and just as an experiment, not a forever kind of, that's very intimidating to see things in terms of forever. So that kind of short term helped me. I mean, obviously I didn't know it was going to last seven years, but that helped me to make it more manageable inside of my own head. And again, to see it as some kind of an experiment, an adventure, you know, I was posting about it on my Facebook wall at the time. It was just like, hey, you know, I'm doing this crazy thing. Watch me go, you know? Right. <laughs> and I didn't expect it to carry on at all. Did you feel better right away when you cut those things out? No, <laughs> short answer, no, I did not. Um, around the third or the fourth day of the first week, I said to my husband, um, I'm just gonna go and have a quick lie down for a nap, which I never do. And basically I was out for the count for like two days. Wow. 
Yeah, and um, I just had enough energy to kind of Google what I was experiencing and to find out that it was kind of a sugar detox. And my body just like was shutting down in a way because it wasn't getting all the glucose that it was used to. So once I realized that this was relatively normal, um, I just, you know, because I was freaking out. Um, then I realized, well, you know, I have the capacity to read. So I did read up about it and felt a little bit more normal. And it only lasted a couple of days. You know, you hear about the sugar detox and everyone, you know, kind of says, watch out, you know, but um, it can happen to some people. It did for me. It's relatively temporary. And some people don't even get it. Lucky things. Did you do you still I mean, do you ha did you have cravings after that or I mean at this point you probably don't since you've been so long into it but did you battle cravings well you know I feel like a bit of a fraud quite honestly because I didn't really get a big I didn't really suffer from cravings to the degree that a lot of people do and I attribute that to the fact that I wasn't eating any for those two weeks any sweet tasting foods and I think that calmed down the whole cravings thing. It was like I was ready for things to taste different. And so, you know, I was expecting things to taste not quite so good. Yeah. <laughs> um, because this was an, a temporary experiment. And so I didn't kind of expect to be eating sweet foods anyway. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, no, I, I totally get that. And I think my experience has been sort of similar, although I'm, I, you know, as a diabetic, we always have to type one, especially when you get low blood sugars, you have to eat something with sugar in it. I mean, I get, you can wait certain low blood sugars out, others you can't, like you have too much insulin going on, it's just not going to come up naturally. So you have to eat something. So I can never fully eliminate sugar from my life so but for type 2 diabetics um they they absolutely can and a lot of them that have come on my podcast have, have done the same thing and they've you know they have maybe a little detox period and then that's that's the end of it as long as you stay off it you're basically fine um so that's sort of interesting that that's that's happened to you and you haven't suffered with cravings ongoing i mean i know i've listened to i actually the reason i like your podcast is because you go through you, you interview a lot of different people and they've ha all had different experience. Some people are sugar addicts, self, you know, described sugar addicts. Some people like you kind of had it a little bit easier. I mean, maybe you can talk about like the gamut of like what kind of people you see. And you also have an after sugar club, which I want to talk about. Like yeah. what kind of people do you see? Well, it's across the board, as you said, because first of all, everyone can benefit from cutting down sugar. And I don't necessarily go for like... I say to people, you don't need to be like me, be like you, you know, I'm not some guru or anything like that. And I don't have the answer. I found a way that suits me, but other people, you know, they find what I encourage is for people to find a way that suits them. And the amount of sugar is so personal to each person. And what we consider is sugar is also personal. So for me personally, it's no added sugars, not even like sweet tasting natural sugars like maple syrup or honey. I just 
don't like the taste of sweetness anymore. It just, I just lost the taste for sweetness. It actually tastes bad to me now and mm. I try to avoid it. And that's me, you know, and for me, flour or refined grains, um, like bread, crackers, all the uh, chips, all the salty, starchy stuff um, is a trigger for me anyway in my behavior. So I, I, it's no fun for me to eat those things because they just make me want more and more and more. And then I get stomach cramps and then it's just no fun. I don't see the point of putting myself through that. Um, so the people that I talk to are all across the board, from vegans to 100% carnivore and everything in between, from, you know, um, I brought down the sugar and the processed foods, that, you know, because sugar is just automatically in processed foods and automatically not in unprocessed whole foods. Um, and I don't freak out too much about fruit, you know. So some people have cut fruit, fine. Some people still eat fruit, fine. I don't, I honestly don't care what people eat. <laughs> I care about how they feel. And if they're feeling good with how they're eating, all more, you know, all the power to them. And if certain foods that are so-called healthy are actually causing them some kind of suffering, either psychologically or emotionally or physically, then I don't consider that that's necessarily healthy for them to be suffering and if cutting out those foods makes them feel better, great. Yeah, that makes that makes perfect sense. And I, I kind of wonder, um, you know, I know you have your after sugar club and you have, you know, people that are in that and you kind of coach them along the way. I, for a long time until, you know, I, I started listening, I heard, I heard you were on somebody else's podcast and I heard you talking about it. It was something that I've been considering for a long time to quit sugar and I just never could like figure out how to do it. Uh, but you actually have a program that you've developed to get people to to be able to quit sugar. Can you give us some of the high highlights of how that that works? So that because I, I think a lot of people are scared. It's like a huge. It, it's there's a lot of mental barriers around something that we've been doing for our whole lives, eating sugar. It's very socially acceptable, and everybody does it. So maybe you can just talk about how you you know how, how your process kind of works. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is everyone that I talk to on the podcast, I ask them what their life was like before, right? And and most of them, if not all of them, have childhood memories of eating sugar, as do I. And so when I first cut sugar uh, and flour and sweeteners in 2015, I didn't realize I was doing a thing. But because I've been a teacher all my life, uh, and because it, I carried on doing this for several years, I started, I had the time and the mental bandwidth and the mental clarity because I don't have brain fog from sugar anymore. <laughs> I had this, my teaching skills and this mental time and space to think about, huh, what is it that is making this so doable for me? And how can I help others get there? Because I can see people are struggling so much. And so, again, with, I applied my sort of teaching skills. I've, I've, you know, created courses all my life. It's just I was te I'm teaching English as a second language. Um, but I applied those skills to teach, to creating specific exercises that will walk people through, and I'm there as well, to walk them through the different steps to becoming sugar-free. A lot of those steps are to do with our emotional connection or relationship 
with sugar. And we're not necessarily aware that we have any kind of relationship with sugar until we entertain the idea of not eating it anymore. And then all these things come up. What do I do when I'm tired? What do I eat when I'm stressed? What do I do when I'm emotional, when I'm mad, when I'm, you know, frustrated, when it's my birthday or when it's my kid's birthday or when it's my neighbor's or cousin's aunt's birthday, you know? It's like, what do I do in social situations when someone is offering me foods with sugar or flour or whatever? And then all these different things come up and throughout the year, you know, you have the Christmas and you have the Easter and you have all that stuff. And it kind of becomes, for most people, as it did for myself, a question of social niceties or social expectations and how to deal with those and what to say to people. I have a whole exercise about what to say to people, you know, um, and, and it's kind of no longer about sugar per se. You know, because people don't come to me asking me, so Netta, tell me biologically what fructose does to the liver. And the, I know all that stuff, but people don't ask me to explain it. They want to know how do I live day to day, year after year, being sugar free and not feeling left out, not feeling like an oddity, not being judged for it, not getting into arguments with people about it. Um, and that is really what my um, After Sugar Club is all about, is to walk people through the days and the weeks and eventually the years after you decide to be sugar free. Yeah, that's a that's a really useful service that you provide, because I think, you know, especially with diabetes, a lot of the some, especially if you're type two, most doctors will recommend that you change your diet in some way, maybe go low carb. They may, may or may not talk to, to them about cutting out sugar, but usually there's some sort of conversation about like limiting carb intake. So, you know, when you, it just seems like such a hurdle, like what am I gonna eat? <laughs> if I don't have carbs, what am I gonna eat? If I don't have sugar, what am I gonna eat? And it just feels like there's gonna be nothing left, but that's actually not true. And you did a really good podcast episode about what you eat. And I, I, I like that because you actually go through your day and your meals sound amazing. So people yeah. can actually see that there's plenty to eat if you're not eating sugar. Yes, plenty to eat. And you know, we use the word carbs a little too loosely in my opinion, you know, cause there's a huge difference between the carbs that are the refined sugars and the carbs that are in fruit and vegetables and, you know, fermented dairy in my case, cheese and yogurt and kefir and the carbs in fiber you know, those are carbs as well. So when people say no carbs, I, I, or if they ask me, do you eat low carb? I'm like, no, it's not low at all. When you consider that biologically, the human body needs no carbs at all to function. Um, I still do eat carbs in fruit, veggies, not a lot of fruit, but all the same fruit, veggies, and fiber and flax seeds and chia seeds and, and my fermented dairy. And so it's actually, you know, a lot of carbs. It's just that my definition of a lot of or low or high is dependent on where your starting point is, right? So it's low carb if you compare with the 300 grams of carbs that 
in Canada at least, are on the recommended daily intake, that's low. But if it's, if you compare with what the human body needs, it's not low at all because it's zero. It starts at zero. So right. that's one thing for the carbs. And then the other thing that I was saying on that podcast episode about what I eat is basically we need to redefine what food is because what I eat is food, right? And so it's everything that is whole foods unprocessed by the food industry I process some of my foods so because I, I'm into gut health and I'm into fermented foods and I make my kombucha and my yogurt, my kefir, and you could argue that they're processed. It's just not by the food industry, it's by the good bacteria that make them probiotic. But I mean, the number of times that I eat food or products that have been tampered with and created in a lab by the food industry, it's it's very, very rare now because they right. make me feel like crap. Yeah, and, and why would you subject your body to that? It's just, you learn that lesson over and over and over again and finally it just clicks that you don't want to do that anymore. And I think yeah. that's what where, where people end up just making that decision. It's yeah. just the execution of how you're going to actually do it, what you're going to eat in a day so that you don't feel like you're completely deprived and changing your mindset to make that work. Yeah. And actually, some of the things that you're describing, some of the carbs that you eat, I mean, what you eat, you know, based on the episode that I've listened to and other things I know about you, I mean, any carbs you're eating are, you know, they're, the glycemic index in those is not going to have the same impact on your blood sugar as if you're sitting around eating, um, you know, candy corn or, you know, some, something, you know, exactly. chocolate all day exactly. long, you know. Yeah, and I don't have diabetes, but I did do an experiment for a month testing my blood sugar you know, as if I were diabetic, you know, with those things that you- The can... continuous glucose monitor. Oh, you had one. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it, the results were very interesting because quite frankly, if, if a doctor had seen my results, I would probably be in the hospital for like in a coma or something. <laughs> but the fact was I was jumping around full of energy. It's just that my blood sugar level is around four, you know, in, in Canadian terms. I don't know what that is in American terms, but we have a slightly different way of measuring it. But it was low, right? It mm -hmm. was low and boring, totally <laughs> stable, you know? And so hardly with any spikes at all after eating, because I don't eat stuff that spikes my blood sugar and my glucose. But because I, I've never had any problems with, with diabetes, I'd never even sort of bothered to really measure it. And I just did it as a, an interesting experiment. It was about a year ago, um, just to see just how boring someone's blood sugar levels are, <laughs> like mine, you know, who doesn't spike them all the time. Yeah, and actually you bring up a really good point and we can bring it back to intermittent fasting too, because you can actually achieve those more stable lines by diet and or adding intermittent fasting to your life. Because if you are doing fasting of any kind, then you're not eating, so you're not impacting blood sugar at all. So, and actually I think, you know, having listened to your podcast and, and knowing you, a lot of the people you work with are actually intermittent fasters as well. Cutting sugar and intermittent fasting kind of go hand in hand. Yeah, they do. They do. And, you know, most people begin with intermittent fasting and realize, uh oh, you know, sugar's getting in the way of being able to fast easily and naturally. Whereas for me, it was the other way around. I'd never heard of intermittent fasting in 2015. And so I cut sugar and everything, all the sweet foods and the starchy foods. And lo and behold, I was getting hungry less 
and less often and intermittent fasting just came naturally i just realized it had a name like four years after right and you do intermittent fasting a little bit differently than some people like you do a breakfast and a, a dinner is that right but no snacking between or how do you, how do you normally it depends on how I feel, quite honestly. Um, if I want to have breakfast, I have breakfast. And if I don't, I don't. <laughs> and that's kind of how sort of complicated it gets. Some days today I didn't have breakfast and um, my meal was about 6 p.m. last night and I'll eat when I feel hungry. And it might be, you know, at midday today or it might be at 4 p.m. or whatever. Yeah, I, that, that's the other good thing about limiting sugar, cutting sugar, limiting or cutting carbs is it allows your body to become more intuitive. I feel when you have so much um, just interaction and input into your into your blood sugar constantly all day long, riding the roller coaster, you saw that your blood sugars were very, very stable as a diabetic. You know, we can we can really see the impact of different foods on our blood sugar. So we know, you know, if, if you put that into your body, that's gonna cause problems for you, not just for an hour, but probably for the rest of the day and maybe even into the next day. So you can really see. And, but I think what my point is, is that with cutting sugar and carbs and things like that is it allows your body to kind of reset and you, you listen to it. Like for whatever reason, you know, you ate 6 p.m. last night, you're skipping breakfast today, you're not hungry. Your body's saying, I'm not hungry right now. Right. And I, think and I don't I don't even consider that I'm skipping breakfast yeah. because that's still in that paradigm of three meals a day. Whereas my new paradigm, it's not really new anymore, <laughs> is I eat when I'm hungry. Right. You eat when you're hungry and you eat what you want to eat when you when you eat. It's not like, oh, this is I have to eat donuts at breakfast or I have to have right. a waffle. It's, yeah. Yeah. Or I have to eat healthy. You know, I eat what I want to eat. It's just that I've changed what I want to eat. Right. That's a, that's so such an important distinction. Don't mind the cat in the background. <laughs> Speaking of eating, somebody is very interested in eating right now. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe you can bring us through what prompted you to start your podcast and the After Sugar Club and your website and you're on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, part of it is that because I'm, I'm a teacher and I have been all my life, I was like, I cannot keep this to myself. I just feel so great. I feel like I'm going back in time. I've got my 20 year, year old body back and I've got my energy. And and I it, part of me is like, well, a lot of people imagine that giving up sugar, first of all, that it's giving up something and second that it's some kind of joyless awful self-denial and I want to show that it's quite the opposite and I do like because I'm a college teacher and I like to get my students to see things differently and to question things and I like to do that with the general public as well who are open to doing that especially for intermittent fasters who are open-minded enough already to try intermittent fasting to step out of this three meals a day paradigm. And I love working with intermittent fasters because of this open-mindedness. And, and so I decided, look, I'm gonna teach about this. First, I did it in French because I'm in French speaking Canada in Quebec. So I did it in French for two or three years. Um, and then I said, I'm, well, you know, English is my language. You can hear I come from England originally. Um, I said, I'm going to also give, do it in English because, you know, English speakers deserve to, to live this amazing feeling of freedom from sugar. So then I made a web uh, website, which sounds easy enough. But I'm so not techie. 
<laughs> I got some help. Um, and I, I wanted to make a podcast and I kept putting it off. And then I sort of promised myself, in fact, I promised a friend of mine, I said, I'm going to do it before the end of January 2021. And the 31st of January 2021, I hit, I pressed publish. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I gotta do it now, because I promised I'd do it. Um, and it took off. And I just passed over 120,000 downloads in a year. So uh, it's hitting a nerve. And I think the fact that I've got all these amazing guests that show that there are so many different shades of being sugar-free and living sugar-free, that there's not a one-size-fits-all approach, that I certainly don't have the answer and these are just ordinary people like me you know who just whose lives have been transformed from cutting sugar either completely or partially and I think it just makes people realize well if they can do it I can do it yeah I, I really like that and I love hearing all the stories of all the different people and it's it's something like with intermittent fasting that's why I decided to create this podcast so people with diabetes could hear about how other diabetics are doing intermittent fasting and when I first found intermittent fasting there's so many good podcasts on that but when I wanted to cut sugar I you know I felt like it felt like a very lonely experience so your podcast was really helpful in hearing the different experiences from people just in all walks of life doing it their own way and I like the fact that you're not really you don't you're not preachy about it you don't have like 20 different rules that you got to follow you're just like whatever works for you this is how you know yes this yeah is how you encounter different situations it's trial and error just like life in general this that's why i call it life after sugar it's it's part of general life and life is not linear with millions of rules that you you know stuff happens and i often say you know real life happens whether or not you eat sugar <laughs> it's just that when you don't you feel better and you're also, you learn coping skills for regular life things like stress and whatever. Now, I don't know about you, but I never learned coping skills for my emotions and for stress. No. No. And I used sugar for that and chocolate. Well, when that was off the table, guess what? I had to grow up and learn how to cope with my emotions. And that wasn't easy. And so that's also part of what I teach of how... How someone who never knew how to do that, me, learned how to cope with emotions. And that doesn't mean not have any. It means actually confront them, name them, deal with them without always reaching out for sugar and chocolate and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, I had to learn all that stuff and now I'm teaching it to others. Yeah, I think that's a really important point you make. It's not just a physical need for sugar desire for sugar it's a lot of it is emotional and that's the that's probably the harder part to overcome i would say it is it is because a we're not expecting it right we just think just tell me what to eat give me the recipes and let me you know but then uh, i said a so b <laughs> it, the other thing is that we it kind of sometimes it can blindside us and we're just not ready for actually facing and living and feeling our emotions and and sort of dealing with that social pressure you know of of being in a society that is sugar full really so that is really what the after sugar club is all about i've created this private community um, of 
people who are ready. It really is, it's mostly intermittent fasters, but not exclusively, but people who are actually ready to kind of take that next step. They've already taken some steps. They're usually already health conscious, um, but they want to know from me, how, how do I do this? And how do I live this day in, day out? For your intermittent fasting clients that you have, do you find that they pick, they decide that they want to live a life without sugar in, into their intermittent fasting journey or right away? Or what are you kind of observing? It's all kinds of things, all, all across the board. But mostly it's people who have already begun intermittent fasting or who have tried and are not actually successful because sugar is getting in the way. And they are like white knuckling through a 12 hour fast, you know, whereas, you know, if when you do cut sugar and for some other people, you know, just all sweet foods and all starchy foods, they they find that, well, a 20 hour fast is no big deal. Whereas, you know, a 12 hour fast used to, of which eight hours sleeping, <laughs> you know, used to be just uh, suffering through it. Yeah, the, the one I, 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 could, I could see that that would be how people sort of approach it. I think for me personally with the intermittent fasting, I, I have a pretty short eating window and you know, there's only so much you can eat during an eating window without being just completely stuffed and, and over full. And I, I started thinking about cutting sugar when, you know, I, I was using those calories that I was spending on sugar. They could have been spent on something more nutritious. And you really start regretting those decisions as you start getting more and more into your fast. And I'm like, why did I eat that piece of cake when I should have eaten some extra broccoli that would have nourished my body so much better? And I would have been able to have a much more productive day if I hadn't eaten that cake. And then you sort of, the wheels start turning like, hmm, maybe I should replace the sugar with something that's more nutritious and then you know everything starts sort of working together yes yes when you come to your own conclusions <laughs> it's so much more powerful than when someone comes along and says eat this eat that don't eat that you know because i don't know about you but if someone tells me what to do i'll go off and do the opposite <laughs> you yeah. know um but yes definitely um more nutritious foods and people ask me Netta what do you do like when you you deserve a treat go ahead treat yourself and I'm like I do even when I'm fasting I'm treating myself I just feel so good and when I'm eating I'm also treating myself it's just that my treats don't contain sugar and flour anymore but they don't have to my whole outlook has changed yeah, you've sort of severed the connection between food and emotions. They're not related anymore. Um, yes, but I have to say I enjoy my food uh, immensely. So in that sense, uh, for me, food is not just fuel. I do have an emotional relationship with my food and it's a positive relationship, not one of dependency. So I, I realize you can't be codependent with food because it's not another human, but in the sense that I used to need food and by food I mean certain types of food and by that I mean sugar <laughs> chocolate and whatever I need I used to need food to feel good or to reward myself whereas now I use in, in air quotes I use food for just enjoyment and to feel good and to, for it to taste good I've become such a foodie it's just not funny um, whereas, yeah, as I said before, I, I used it for some kind of emotional needs, whereas now it's 
I feel a lot healthier emotionally as well as biologically. Yeah, absolutely. And there's something else I want to speak to you about too, about um, when people decide that they would like to cut sugar from their life. It's a weight loss because a lot of people that listen to this podcast are very interested in weight loss. A lot of people that come to intermittent fasting are interested in weight loss. And I found for me, when I cut sugar, I lost the weight just would not stay on. It just fell off without any effort on my part. I was replacing it with better foods, but it just, you know, there's, it, it, it just came off right away. Are you, do you see that a lot with your, with your clients? Yes. I saw it in myself um, for sure. And um, I see it in my clients who I call them my students rather than my clients. I'm such a teacher, uh, but who um, actually do agree to get their heads wrapped around the fact that it's, probably that those who don't see much weight loss are probably still consuming some form of sugar and they probably have some kind of insulin sensitive uh, uh, resistance uh, but those who actually bring it right down the sugar and the starchy foods uh, are so amazed and they say not so well you know I wasn't losing weight and now all of a sudden like you were describing it's like melting off of me and I think you know I I'm Obviously, the info is out there, but it bears repeating that weight loss or weight gain, I'm more interested in how we gain weight, because once we understand that, then we stop doing what makes us gain weight or gain fat, body fat. And when we understand that it's to do with the insulin and not just to do with the stupid calories, then once that mindset switch has been made, then we are like, well, if I don't eat foods that will spike my insulin, then I won't a put on weight, put on fat, and b let my body actually release the stored up fat that I already have on my body. And it's to do with which foods will spike my insulin and which foods will not. You know that that's what it. And, and a lot of people get all you know in a twist about calories, and I'm like, oh, I'm so over the whole calorie thing. Yeah, it really, I, it definitely doesn't have anything to do with calories because whatever I took out with sugar in terms of the calories, I added back with other stuff and the weight still fell off. So I agree with you. It has nothing to do with the calories or it probably does, but not as much as people might think. Exactly. Yes. It's, it's not purely calories in, calories out. And, you know, I, people see what uh, the amount of, of good fats that I eat, which again, you know, we were talking about high and low. I don't think it's a high amount. It's just what my body needs to have all this energy. But they see me, you know, I consume the cream and my kefir and my yogurt are made with cream and I eat butter and I eat, you know, the fatty cuts of meat and and they're all and the eggs and all that stuff. They're all like, you know, you're eating so much fat. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's how I keep my figure. <laughs> yeah and you know what the one thing the other thing that i really like about you is just how long you've been doing this it's seven years you said coming up to seven years this july yes wow and have you gone through different phases of your journey where parts were harder or parts were easier are you just so dialed in now that this is really how you live um but i would say it's generally just easy it's just easy feeling good and part of it is because of my age, I think, because I've just turned 52. And I think once you are in your late 40s and getting into your 50s, for, for a lot of us, we're like, oh, I don't care what other people think. 
I'm putting myself first, you know, and my kid is older, so I can sort of think about myself more. So in that sense, it's just been easy because feeling good for me is easy and it's not for everyone. I've had people sort of not actually want to feel good. Some people would rather feel bad and complain about it than actually do what it takes to feel good, I've found in human nature. Um, but the other thing that sort of rattled me was the pandemic. <laughs> you know, that I, I mean, we are all in some way stressed out by the pandemic. <clears throat> and for me, um, my husband um, started making the sourdough bread at home, like millions and millions of others. And I actually had asked him to do that because I'm interested in the fermentation process. But then the whole house started smelling of fresh baked bread. And I was like, oh, what have I done? <laughs> That's hard to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I would like cut off a little slice and smother it with butter and tell myself, you know, I'm just using the bread as some kind of support for my butter. But then I would find myself like sneakily cutting another slice and another one. And I thought, oh, it's, you know, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to do those things again. Like that sneaky type of eating that I used to have with cookies and other things. I didn't want that back. I'm quite happy without it. So in that sense, I had to make a little bit of an effort to, you know, stop. How, how did you, how did you stop? I'm curious because I live with someone who likes sweets a lot. And so I'm constantly, I, it's hard for me, but I do try to compartmentalize my brain and say like, this is his food. This is my food. But you know, sometimes you see something and it looks good and you're like, I'll just have a little bit of it. And then the next thing you know, you've eaten way too much. And then you feel for me, I just, I end up paying for it for hours, if not days for, for oh, making yeah. that kind of error. But um, how did you, how did you decide, how did you get back on track after that? Well, you know, what I teach in the After Sugar Club is what I live, which is being aware of that internal chatter in your head of that voice that's saying, oh, I can handle just a little bit. The fact is that some of us can't, you know, and that the life is unfair. <laughs> and I found that out when I couldn't get pregnant. You know, it's not fair. For some people, it's easy. And for other people, it's not. For some people, they can handle a little bit. For me, I can't because it triggers this type of behavior of I just can't stop. And so whenever I found myself saying, oh, you know, just you can handle it just a bit. I have to step back and say, no, you've proven over and over again that you cannot handle it. And because I don't want to have that behavior and because I've had enough time away from that type of behavior, I can now say to myself, yeah, no, just no, you cannot handle it. Just don't start. Well, thanks for sharing that story because I, you know, it, it's hard to be perfect all the time. And it, I think that sometimes when you do something like that, or if I have a little piece of cake or something like that, it it actually reinforces the way that I'm living because it reminds you exactly. how bad you felt before. And Exactly. You know. And equating that type of behavior, that the way that I live, say, with perfection or being perfect you know that oh that drives me up the wall quite frankly <laughs> right because i am in no way perfect you know ask my family um just or anyway like that it has nothing to do with perfection and i'm totally not interested in perfection right and i i love that about you uh it makes you very relatable to 
to people that are looking to cut sugar from their lives and do it in a methodical and in a fashion that they can actually maintain. So, right. Right. And so whether or not you eat sugar and how much or how little you eat has nothing to do with your value as a human being or how perfect or imperfect you are. Yeah, I love that message. So for people that are listening to this podcast and maybe haven't given up sugar just yet, or, but they, they're interested in exploring it a little bit more, what do you, what do you recommend and where can, you know, what, what in terms of what you offer, what, what should they be looking for? So they can find me on the website aftersugarclub.com. And there I have lots of free resources, videos about what to eat and about what foods in the, in the grocery store don't contain sugar and what to look out for and about fermented foods and gut health as well, which, um, which really is very important for, for general health, but also digestive health and also for, for keeping down cravings and making your mood stable and all that good stuff. Um, I also have a simple guide that they can download to getting more energy because, you know, you can see I'm jumping about <laughs> energy, even if you don't eat sugar, and especially if you don't eat sugar. Um, I have also on the website um, five my five tips for getting rid of sugar cravings for intermittent fasters specifically. Um, and there's also my podcast, Life After Sugar podcast, full of inspiring stories of people whose lives have been totally transformed from cutting sugar, including also my own. And I have the After Sugar Club, which I'm in the process of sort of reinventing, but basically that's a, a paid program, a membership kind of thing. It's kind of like the Netflix of sugar. <laughs> so you, you, you pay a certain amount and then you're, you have access to my help, to me personally. It's all me. It's, I don't have coaches doing stuff for me. It's all me. And the exercises that I've developed and the framework that I've developed over the last seven years to actually get you not just sugar-free, but joyfully sugar-free and living your life and your intermittent fasting lifestyle easily and naturally. That's a great distinction that you make that it's a joyful life because I, I agree it is joyful. People have all these ideas that when they give up sugar, it's just they're, they're, the rest of their life is just gonna be pure misery, but it's not the case. So, and you really instill that in your students and on your podcast, you can see that very clearly that everybody that's doing this, nobody's suffering. Everybody's actually, they're happier now than they were previously. Exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. 100% of people are happier. Right. Exactly. Um, so is there anything else? Did we miss anything? Is there anything else you wanted to cover? Well, um, I also have a YouTube channel, Life After Sugar. I have a Facebook page, Life After Sugar. My Instagram account at My Life After Sugar, pretty much everywhere. Uh, and just spreading the joy, you know. And I think if people are intermittent fasters or thinking about doing intermittent fasting and they want to make that lifestyle easy natural joyful cutting sugar is the way to go yes that's very true and i can attest to that myself so and thank you for putting out such great content it it's very very helpful and it was it's really needed because i think there's been a, a real positive of that uh you know out there and i think it's it your message you giving the message you specifically giving the message is I think it's it's very, very valuable. So thank you for doing this work. You're very, very welcome. And thanks for coming on. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, 
Don't forget to rate and review the podcast. And if you're interested in being a guest, please email me at fastlifewithdiabetes at gmail.com. Thanks so much. Have a great day.